Do you have a conflict situation in your life? We all do from time to time. So how can you apply listening to be more effective in dealing with conflict? And what can we do to stay engaged and focused in the practice of servant leadership? Today we're posing these questions to listening expert, Dr. Rick Bommeljay. Welcome, I'm your host, JB Adams. Each week, I bring you conversations with leaders. And in this series, we're talking with leaders who practice servant leadership. Our philosophy is that a leader is anyone who influences change. So on this show, we want to understand not just what leaders do, but who they are and how leaders can be effective in a rapidly changing world. We hope you'll learn some things about our guests, about our topic, and also about yourself. This is Leadership Life Stories. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. Today's show is the fourth and final part of this interview series with Dr. Rick Bommeljay, president of the Leadership and Listening Institute and the founder of the nonprofit organization, Listening Wisdom. He's had a 46-year career at Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida, where he is a professor in the Department of Communication, teaching courses on leadership and listening. He's also a coach, consultant, and speaker. This entire show is devoted to Dr. Rick Bommeljay's responses to questions and comments about his approach to listening and leadership provided by listeners of the previous three episodes in this series. The questions were provided by some of his students, as well as former participants of the Leadership Mastermind Alliance, which was a multidimensional learning group that Rick Bommeljay developed and delivered from 2006 to 2018. Full disclosure, I am proud to say that I was a member of this group and had the opportunity to learn and grow from not only Dr. Rick Bommeljay, but also these very genuine people and highly effective leaders. Welcome to you, Dr. Rick Bommeljay. Our first question is from Teresa Campbell of Orlando, Florida. She asks, why do you think it's difficult for people to listen? For a number of reasons. One, they don't know how. They've been listening since they were born, but probably have not gotten any kind of education or development substantive from a communication mode that the other three get, reading, writing, and speaking. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of it has to do with that, that the awareness just is not there, the knowledge is not there, there's no structure. And then from an attitude standpoint, there are, as we know, many others that choose not to. Mm -hmm. Excellent. The next question comes from Karen Brandell of Annapolis, Maryland, and she asks, how do you maintain your listening strategy with someone who has such strong opposing views that they are belligerent and disrespectful? And have you ever been so frustrated that you lost your temper or ended the conversation or session abruptly? And if so, were you able to recover? I believe these two questions go together. Yeah, two-part question all about leading your emotions, really, or versus having your emotions lead you. Mm -hmm. 
answer to the second question is, of course, I've lost my temper. And when one is working off of their default and is not aware of what that default causes in other people, they continue on. And so losing your temper, for example, when you don't uh, agree or like what someone else is saying. For me, um, when pressed, comes out of a default, probably of insecurity. You know, maybe the person was actually, actually had more right things to say than wrong things to say. That's on the second part. The first part revolves around how do you when someone else is? Mm-hmm. My quick answer is you don't. Mm, yeah. Because they're more interested in their autobiographical response or reaction. Um, and is they're really not interested and engaging in any kind of meaningful communication. So there's no point. And we see this in politics all the time. Yes. We see it right now um, in our society and in our politics. And so uh, are you proposing that when we are up against someone who has become um, belligerent and disrespectful, that the wisest thing might be to walk away, take a break, try again later? Yeah, I would love to learn about your views and opinions. I really would. If you're interested in having a meaningful conversation, I'm all up for that. But right now, you're simply ranting and raving about your position. I'm not going to be influenced by it in this manner. So it's up to you. Otherwise, ah. I suggest we withdraw and come back, circle back around at another time. I love that. Um, we will all have to practice having the presence of mind to say that when that comes up. Uh, but that's excellent advice. This question comes from Denise Massinio of Annapolis, Maryland. In the first part of the interview, you said that listening and leadership were an inside-out job. Could you give us more of an explanation or insight into what that means? Yes, it's about it's about really co- three competencies. It's about cognitive knowing. It's about behavior, the behavioral side of of doing, and then we go to the the. Uh, the competency that takes us beyond just the know and do to the be, where we actually integrate it into our being, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think that listening, and, the, and, and I also include leadership in this because I'm viewing leadership in a very broad context. It's not about, to me, Position, title, authority has nothing to do with that. It has more to do with 
challenging, um, tackling adaptive challenges that come in many forms in our life. But it starts from within. It's an inside out job because you can't simply rush to five principles to deal with this challenge. You have to punch through all of the layers of, well, how do I think about this? How do I feel about this? How am I processing this? In order to even gain traction enough to where you can then start to look at knowledge and then ultimately start to do something perhaps differently from what you've done before. So to me, it, it is an inside-out job rather than an outside-in. Exactly. You, you make it clearer for me that it's beyond something that you do. It's even beyond something that you practice, although adopting it as a habit comes about as a result of a practice. But with commitment, it becomes not... People talk about exercise as a lifestyle such that you don't think about it anymore. You just do it. And I think that's what I would compare this to is developing the self-awareness that comes through listening to, to be cognizant in the moment of how am I impacting this environment that will make me a better leader. Not because that's my intention, but my intention is to make this situation better and I will do it by demonstrating leadership. Yes, exactly. And to your point about exercise, I'll give you an example where it's an inside out process. Since uh, COVID, I have frozen my gym membership. Mm -hmm. I exercise every day. Uh, we found a trail close by our home. I now run. And I'm up to five miles a day. That's great. This morning, I get up. It's an inside-out job. Oh, it's a little bit cooler today. Do I want to go out there? Maybe I'll just take the day off. I'm so soft. You know, maybe I'll wait tomorrow. The temperature will be, be a little bit warmer. Um, I have to punch through that inner dialogue to be able to even get to the point where I'm ready to put on my running outfit and then move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got, you got to find the, uh, find the will every day. Every day. All right. Denise has a follow-up question, and it reads like this. I know he does not like to give advice, but is there a little more you could share on the golden pause and react versus respond? If we could get more folks to pause and respond versus knee-jerk react, wouldn't we be better self-leaders? And how could we bring this message out to help the world with impulse control? I think that Denise has just done that with her question. She's described the golden pause as being silence. She distinguished between react, that knee-jerk 
re, you know, reaction versus response, which has thought to it. Not that there is a gap of no feeling with a response, because of course there is, but it's, um, and I've learned to tack on another word to respond, which is appropriately. Mm -hmm. Respond appropriately. To me, that changes the dynamic because now I have to think, what could be the most appropriate response in this circumstance? And I do like how she connects it to impulse control because it clearly means, as you would say, the golden pause is about silence. In that moment, the way I interpret it is you're sitting with it for a moment so that you can choose how to yes. respond. And that can come in an emergency situation, right? I'm not an EMT, but I would imagine that the best of the best are able to respond. And through their actions, they're showing their other colleagues how to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very much a choice, but you have to make a conscious choice, not, yes. uh, not the reactive choice. Exactly. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will hear Dr. Rick Bommelje's take on how to deal with conflict. Stay with us. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. Our guest is Dr. Rick Bommeljay, and we're getting his responses to questions about listening and leadership. This next question is from Patricia Whitney of Orlando, Florida. Uh, she starts by saying, I want to thank both JB and Rick for sharing these videos. I'm so very grateful for the sharing, for the willingness to be vulnerable, and to share this beautiful story. Her question is this. In today's world, it would appear that many of us struggle with how to deal with conflict in an appropriate manner. What would you recommend as the most significant thing we can do to change that? Interesting. I'm, I'm getting ready to teach a graduate course on conflict management at Rollins. And I'm also preparing an undergraduate course on conflict and communication. I teach what I need. <laughs> and so when it comes to conflict, uh, I don't have the ready answers, but I know that there is a, a very strong connection with the quality of your listening and the quality of your ability to deal effectively with conflict. So they go together. Yes, as does leadership. So listening leadership equals conflict. And I don't want to say resolution. Um, and I don't want to say management. Oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> and the reason why I don't say management is because I don't think it's a didactic process. 
follow these seven steps and you'll resolve a conflict. Uh, oh, I only had one step. Which, what's your one step? It, it would go back to what Denise suggested, which is just this. To me, conflict management, that's what I would call it, is it begins with sit with it, listen, try to understand this other person's point of view. And, and if you demonstrate that, then per perhaps they will reciprocate. But there are many different paths you can take. You should avoid reacting. Absolutely. And the challenge in a conflict situation is that you are feeling provoked, you're feeling triggered, and you are going to be more likely to react. And that's why you have to have that practice of like, okay, I'm feeling this. I need to take a step back and, and you know, sort of survey the scene and see the big picture. Yes. Yes. For me, I, it just doesn't come fast enough. You know, I... I mean, I relearn the same lessons. Mm -hmm. And so it's small incremental steps over long periods of time rather than one big, big giant learning that's taken place and I have an epiphany and I've got it. And we have a conflict that's resolved. It seems that the two steps forward, one step back process mm -hmm is more of the way that has kind of been revealed to me. Well, I'm going to hold you to it. If it's not conflict management, what would you call it? I would call it conflict management and leadership from the inside out. Okay. Because to me, a conflict is an adaptive challenge. There's no one fix it's not like a technical problem. The microphone breaks. We just follow the steps. We solve it. We either fix the microphone or get a new one. It doesn't happen that way with a conflict or for any adaptive challenge. We have to figure it out, find a way. This is a maybe the same person, but we have now a, yet a different challenge that's been placed in our world. Yes. And it's in multiple levels because each relationship is built on a series of situations. So you might resolve this situation and you may or may not have resolved the relationship issue. Yes. Mm -hmm. And also if you're close with someone, you've got a history and the history has baggage to it. Mm how do you receive a suitcase that's been plopped in your face from 20 years ago? Yeah. Just as if you bought it brand new and it's revealed again as it's opened up and you don't like what's in that bag. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you're going to spend time with your students. You'll have plenty of time to unpack this suitcase. We don't have time to unpack it today, but I am very curious how you would address the question that you're asking yourself, do I want to resolve this conflict? And how often people simply say, I don't feel like doing it today. <laughs> yes. Well, with a variety of different styles, 
conflict styles. I mean, when I take the assessment, if I'm honest with myself, I'm an avoider. Mm -hmm. There are places where avoiding is the right time. And maybe the example that was laid out before us where you've got a person who has very strong opinions and they're maybe that's the time to avoid. Right. Now, if I may ask, it sounds like you're using the TKI. Yes. The Thomas Kilman. Yes. I'm a big fan of that as well. Yes. And, and when I, I've taken it multiple times as I'm sure you have, and if I'm honest with myself, I'm there's there's a shifting. Now I'm not a hundred percent avoider. You know, I'm more of a collaborator now. Mm -hmm. But that's because I'm working. I'm putting in the work to try to make that happen intentionally. Yeah, collaboration is is something we can all uh, work toward because of all of the options, uh, that is the one that takes the most conscious effort, in my opinion. Yes. All right, Dr. Bommeljay, we're going to move on to the next one. This one is from Linda Puritz of Orlando, Florida, and she asks this. I loved hearing about the tools you shared in episode three. Can you share another exercise that you've experienced that was very helpful for you or others you've coached or taught? Yes, the... The prompt is designed to be able to give the widest space to respond. And if you've got time, you can come up with all kinds of different things, as I did. Any kind of reflective question that gives enough room, for example, I am here too. As a prompt. Yeah. The operative words, of course, being here and too. You could answer that while well, I'm in this interview. To. Right. To add to the collection of servant leadership interviews that will. Mm -hmm. Or it could go in a whole different direction. I am here too. Why don't you try that one out? You could do that in any situation. Yes. Uh, I am here to raise awareness of each individual's leadership style so that they can consciously choose how they want to act in the world. Powerful. See, you bring it out. You bring it out. Uh, thank you, Linda, for that question. We're going to move on to the next one. The next question comes from Carl Chauncey of Orlando, Florida. He starts with a comment. Knowing Rick has had a huge impact on my personal and professional development. It started with a single class at Rollins and progressed to so much more. I will forever be grateful for the opportunity to know Rick and to share some of the wisdom that he imparted upon me with others. And Carl also has this question. My question for Rick is, how does he do it? How does he stay focused, on track, and continue to be engaged 
What is the inner voice or motivation that keeps him pushing forward? It's my purpose. My purpose, um, Quinn has described it in a, in a very simple yet, I think, profound way. She says, when you're clear on your purpose, it gives you passion. And when you have passion, you have power. The three Ps. The power to execute. But it's being very clear on purpose. Because that becomes the filter that everything can, can go through in terms of decisions to make. And things are either on purpose or they're off purpose. They either fit within the purpose or they don't. And if they're off purpose, there's no point to even really spend much time on it. So I think it's being very clear about what really, really matters most. And also checking yourself on a daily basis. Like I check in, check out. I check in in the morning with myself and I check out before I go to sleep. So if I may, my interpretation is this. Two steps. First, figure out what your purpose is. I don't know how long that should take, but that could take a while. And the second step is once you have clarity on your purpose, you need to assess how well you're doing. Yes, exactly. And, and also realize that your purpose can change over seasons in your life. But being true to that. All right. We have one last question. This question is also from Becky Nickel of Waynesville, North Carolina. And uh, we can take this wherever you want to take it, Rick. She wants to know what are Rick's plans for the future and what would he like to pursue next? Well, that's a great question. And I have just completed a project just within the past two weeks of an online listening pays course. It took me, it's, it's taken me 30 years. I was going to say, <laughs> this was a lifetime. Yeah. And with the dynamics of how we learn today, I knew that an online presence is important. And so I created the online listening pays course. Rick, so what should participants expect when they click on this course? They will be equipped with a complete system for how to listen, lead, and succeed. Excellent. And uh, how many sessions did you say there were? I have 40 sessions. And a session is a video. But mm -hmm. most of the videos are three to five minutes in length. All right. So opportunities to learn from you, uh, practice, I would assume? Absolutely. There are nine sections, including the introduction. So there are eight content sections and there are a number of videos within each section all right we're going to encourage everyone 
to go out. You, uh, we're going to provide the link. You can find the link wherever you find uh, this podcast. And we would encourage everyone to check it out and uh, learn from Rick Bommeljay about the importance of listening and leadership. Think about taking a 15-week college course in just under three hours. You can't beat that. All right, Rick Bommeljay, you are my mentor. You are my friend. You are my colleague. I cannot thank you enough for participating in this interview series and just sharing your insights with all of our listeners. Uh, I think you inspire all of us to become more effective as leaders. And so I thank you again. It's been an honor, JB, to have, well, a few things. Number one, to have the opportunity to be part of this very important project, but to receive these questions, to receive these, these questions and to listen to myself respond to the questions. That is priceless. Mm. Well, you've given all of us great value. And as I said, thanks again. And, uh, to the listeners, keep listening. We have more coming in the series about servant leadership and uh, more opportunities with Rick in the future, perhaps. Make today count. Thanks for listening. You can find episodes of Leadership Life Stories and all other Victor Media Group shows at victormediagroup.co. Leadership Life Stories was created by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell. Sound design and video production by Jeremy Harmson. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow us at Victor Media Group on your favorite social media platform. This is JB Adams, and until next time, remember, life is for service.